0: Let's look at Mark chapter 15, and we're at verse 42, the last section in the chapter, the last uh, commentary on the death of Jesus. And we're going to see here a a message about manhood that involves a man that we have not seen uh, before in Scripture, but now stands up for this occasion at this occasion and begins to act like a man before he was not and he now begins to act like a man and his name is joseph of arimathea it's an interesting uh part of scripture that we see here at the crucifixion of jesus verse 42 says now when evening had come Because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went in to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he brought Bought fine linen, took him down and wrapped him in the linen. And he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. And so Jesus died uh, around three o'clock that afternoon in the jews reckoning of time which goes is based on genesis one is that their day went from six o'clock p.m to 6 a.m as they're marking their day the day ended at 6 p.m that's when the next day started as we we do it with 12 you know technically at 12 a.m the next day starts They did that at 6, as the start of the evening. Genesis 1 says the evening came first, then the daytime, and that's why that time reckoning is like it is. So at 6 o'clock was going to start the next day. The next day was the Sabbath, the first verse tells us. Verse 42 tells us the day of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was that they were not to do any work, and so they wanted to get the... One's off the cross by six. p.m. and get that taken care of, to get him buried. Now I just, uh, just want to comment before we go on, just on the issue of what day it was. There is some debate about with some, uh, that challenge the thinking that the crucifixion was on Friday because the next day was then Saturday, Sabbath. And they try to say, well, that's not enough time for three days and three nights, like the Bible says, and so that they try to say it was Thursday to get more time in there. Some want to debate that. It's really insignificant. It really doesn't matter what day Jesus died on, uh, the day of the week. The fact was he died. There was a significance that he died on the day of Passover. So whatever day it was, it was the day of Passover, and that was significant to match God's work there with the sacrificial lamb in the Old Testament with Israel. But I I think the uh, evidence points to that this was a Friday and that we are right when we celebrate, commemorate on the celebration of the resurrection that we say Friday is the good Friday, the day he died. I think the evidence uh, points to that. The fact that it says the next day was the Sabbath. That was Saturday. Now there is a possibility they did observe Sabbaths for special days during the week when a feast day fell on it. And there could have been, um, let's see, if that, it would have been, the, I guess, the first day. If Passover had fallen on the Thursday, then the first day of Unleavened Bread would have been a special Sabbath that they would observe. That's possible, but I don't think the way they comment on it, it doesn't doesn't talk about like that. It talked about like it was the regular Saturday Sabbath. It's To me, is how it's presented. So I just wanted to, to comment on that with this verse when it says it was the preparation day, which is typically Friday. Saturday was the Sabbath, that that's when the crucifixion happened. And as far as the issue of it's not three days and three nights, well, if you make it on Thursday, you actually don't have three days and three nights either. You have like four. I don't remember which it is. It's like either four days or four ni- or three nights. It goes off there. I don't think, when Jesus said that I'll be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, uh, as Noah uh, Jonah was, I, I don't think that that meant three full nights and three full days. Uh, there's other times in the Bible where a partial day can be called a day. And that's Understandable, And I think that's how we look at it, is that when Jesus died at three o'clock and then they buried him at or buried him then by six o'clock. And the next day started, that was considered a day, those three hours when he was dead. So I think that's the answer that he did die on Friday. But here now comes the question of the burial. Jesus needs to be buried and the Jews needed to get it done by six o'clock. So there's some urgency, and the question is, who's going to bury Jesus? Who's going to bury Him? The women weren't going to do that. There was the element of respect. Uh, It meant taking a naked body and dealing with that and the nakedness, and they dealt with it in respectful ways. The men took care of that, and the women took care of the ladies. You know, we've lost a lot of that today in our Modern culture, ancient culture, they respected those things. The women weren't going to do it. The women were the only ones left there at the cross, predominantly. The others had fled. Peter had fled. The others had fled. I think John was there because he he was there because Jesus spoke to him and turned his mother over to him. John was there. But John uh, needed to take care of Mary. Who was going to bury Jesus? There was a need there, and a man stepped up to meet the need, and in doing that, he stepped up and he, was a, he became a man. He stepped up as a man, whereas previously he was not, acting like a man. And he stepped up as a man. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. This is the first we hear of him. Uh, Luke records this information. I think Matthew does too, and John does. And he was a member of the Sanhedrin council, the council that condemned Jesus to death. And it says that he was not, um, well, I have to report to you that uh, I think Luke and John record that Joseph did not agree with their decision. He did not consent in the decision decision to, to crucify Jesus. He either voted against it, or he walked out. However, he did it. He was there at the council, but he did not cooperate. He stood against their decision to crucify Jesus. That was a uh, new stand for Joseph. For, if you look again at verse forty-three, it says that he was waiting for the kingdom of God. His heart was open to the ways of God and he coming and taking courage went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. That phrase taking courage is a glimpse into something that was going on in Joseph's life is that Joseph had actually become a believer in Jesus but he was not making it public. He was ashamed. He was afraid really. He was afraid of the Jews and he wouldn't take a public stand for Jesus. And in doing so He was operating by fear. He was not being a real man. But at this time, when Jesus died, apparently he probably witnessed it. He witnessed Jesus laying down his life for the world. Joseph of Arimathea was encouraged, was uh, was emboldened to stand up and start acting like a man. And this is the need of our day and our world. It's always the need of God's world is that men need to step up and be men and lead for what is right and stand against what is wrong. That's how the world got messed up in the beginning with Adam when he refused, when he wouldn't, when he backed down and he cowered uh, uh, with his wife and he wouldn't stand up and say, let's obey God and we're not going to eat that fruit. Adam failed at doing that and he failed at being a man and that plunged the whole human race into sin is because a man would not stand up and be a man. These issues are important. It goes back to the very first sin of men being men and ladies being ladies. Satan went to Eve and tried to get her to be the leader. And that's how the first sin came about. Feminism and the roles of men and women are very significant of our situation in the world today. It's what plunged the, first, the world into sin to begin with. And Satan is still pushing and still fighting against this. And Christians are being careless and uh, weak And rolling over in these areas and thinking, oh, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if a woman gets up and preaches. Yes, it does. That's how the first sin started. This is God's world. It's how He designed it. And we need to follow His design because He designed it for a reason. And there's reasons behind it. And when we transgress those, things get messed up. It does matter. Joseph of Arimathea stood up and started becoming a man. Look over with me at John and see what was going on in his heart. John chapter 19. John gives us some additional information. John chapter 19 verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus. See, he had become he had heard Jesus teach at some point. We're not told when. Uh Now, okay, let's go on and read, and I'll add some things here related to this. Being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with spices, as the custom of Jews is to bury So, Nicodemus, we see him again now. We haven't seen him since John 3. He went off into the night. And we don't hear anything more about him. Because, I believe the answer is, that he was just like Joseph of Arimathea, is that he had believed on Jesus that night, but he kept it to himself. He kept it secret. Because he was afraid of what it would mean for his life if others found out. He was afraid of what it would cost him. He was afraid of what his fellow uh, priests would think and say and do. Nicodemus was a secret disciple because he was afraid of people's opinions of him. Joseph of Arimathea was a secret disciple of Jesus because he was afraid of what the Jews and the fellow, his fellow council members would say about him and think about him. They were more concerned about what people thought than what Jesus thought. Yet the Bible says they were true disciples. They were truly believers and yet they needed to step up and Put Jesus number one in their life above all others and care more about what he thought in their life rather than what the people around them thought. That's what's going on in Joseph of Arimathea's life and heart and Nicodemus. And maybe uh, Nicodemus became a believer that night and maybe he influenced Joseph of Arimathea, perhaps. They were both on the council. Uh, They were both Jewish priests, and maybe Nicodemus influenced Joseph of Arimathea. However it happened, Joseph of Arimathea became a believer in Jesus at one point, and yet he kept it quiet because he just couldn't fully give himself over publicly to Jesus. And in doing that, he was living by fear and not being a true man. A true man lives by faith in Jesus Christ and follows the top man, Jesus Christ, and and that that man uh, publicly makes that known and publicly follows Jesus. And that's what a true man is. That's a man of God. Paul spoke many times about being a man of God, he told Timothy, you be a man of God. You follow righteousness, you do what is right, even if you stand alone. You don't care what anybody else says. If you even suffer and get killed, you do it for Jesus, and that's being a man of God. A man of God is willing to suffer whatever for the sake of Jesus. That's what it means to be a man. Let me tie this together. It all relates to the beginning. And Adam, who was made to be a man, which is what we are. And I this today, Father's men, I'm speaking to us primarily. uh, But ladies, it relates to you that this is how God has set up the world. And this is the kind of man that uh, you need to honor, you need to look for in a husband, if, if that's your situation. This is what it means to be a man of God. Adam was made to be a man and he was charged with the uh, duty to lead in keeping the commandments of God. And God gave him the one commandment to obey there at the garden that was important. It was to not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden of knowledge of good and evil, which was joining himself to evil. And God had said, don't eat it. And it was Adam's job to lead in doing what God said and to lead his family knew doing what God said. And if he had done that, his family would uh, have lived. His family would be protected. And it was his job to lead his family and what was right to protect them. And Adam failed in doing that. He failed in being, and in doing that, he failed in being a man. He followed what his wife said to do, who was following what Satan said to do. And he was ultimately following Satan in disobeying God. And he Uh, failed at being a man that he was made to be. And it plunged the whole race and all of his descendants into the curse of sin, the curse of death. It brought death onto the world. It's why now we have funerals. It's why families must bury their loved ones. Because of what Adam did. He would eventually bury his own children. He would bury his wife if he went first. He He had burials now because Adam... Failed to be a man. And he had funerals. He had to bury people. The first man, Adam, failed at being a man. Of what God made him to be. To turn away from sin and to keep the commandments of God, and let that be the the number one priority of his life. Even if his wife said to do differently, even if his children said to do differently, even if all the people around him said to do differently, if Satan himself came to him and said, I'll give you all that's in the world if you'll fall down and worship me and sin against God. Adam, as a man, to be a man, would have stood up against all of that and said, no, I'm going to obey God, what he said, he's number one in my life. That's what it means to be a man. We're charged to carry out God's will on the earth. That's our job. That's what we are made to do. And Adam failed, plunged the whole human race into sin. And now the whole, whole human race is lost. The whole human race needs to be saved. So what does God do? He sends another man into the world who who can be above sin, who's perfectly pure, so he can't be any of the human race on the earth. So God makes himself to be a man, is born of a virgin, so that sin uh, curse is not transmitted to him. He's born of Mary, a virgin, and he becomes a man, God the Son, and the New Testament calls him the second Adam. Adam. He had come to do what Adam failed to do, to be a true man who would do what is right every time his whole life and stand up against what is wrong and never be swayed by the crowd, never follow somebody else, never be motivated by the fear of man, but be motivated only and chiefly by the fear of God. And Jesus did that every time. And only in doing that could he be then the Lamb of God who could be offered on the mercy seat of God in heaven and be accepted as the true, a pure sacrifice, a human sacrifice for all the human race. That is who Jesus was. That's what he did. And in doing that, Paul said he is the second Adam who succeeded in doing what Adam failed. And a part of that is being a man. And that is where we're at. The second Adam has just now been crucified And this is a neat scene. It's a beautiful scene. That second Adam came to redeem all the other men who have followed their uh, earthly father Adam in their weakness, in their sinfulness, in their fears. And Jesus now redeems them, lifts them up out of that and gives them courage to be a man and do what is right and to serve God. is number one. That's what his salvation does. And here at the death of Jesus, he is now worked in the life of Joseph Arimathea. And in his death, uh, Joseph uh, uh, is snapped out of his fear and all of his secret being a disciple. And he now takes courage and he stands up as a man and he says, Give me the body of Jesus who I wouldn't confess before, But now I will stand up and I'll bury his body. I'll stand up. When none of his disciples are, they're all running for fear. And Joseph of Arimathea, who was afraid before, now is standing up. And he says, give me his body. I'll bury it. Joseph of Arimathea has a growth moment here at the crucifixion. He said, I'm not going to stay secret anymore. I'm going to step up and I'm going to publicly identify with Jesus and I'm going to bury him, which is the last thing that needs to happen, to honor him, and I'm going to identify with him and I don't care what it costs me. See, that same council member just crucified him. They could have, at the least, they would have kicked him out and he might have. Been. he might have lost his position as a priest as a council member uh but uh, joseph says i don't care anymore i'm going to be willing I, when he saw jesus sacrifice everything he said i'm willing to lose everything for him and that's what a man a true man of god does joseph became a, a man on this day No longer was he a secret disciple. He stood up and was counted publicly, confessed Jesus publicly. And then uh, either he helped Nicodemus or maybe maybe, uh, they helped each other. But Nicodemus did the same thing. He stood up and said, I'm going to publicly identify with Jesus. Confess Him publicly as my Lord and Savior. And he stepped up as a man on this day also. And they buried Jesus. They were very rich. Prophet Isaiah prophesies of this in Isaiah 53. It says Jesus was uh, uh, identified with the wicked at his death and with the rich at his burial. And that was fulfilled here through Joseph and Nicodemus. They were rich men. And Joseph had a tomb uh, hewn out, he out, he out of stone with a big rock and, and uh, he had a lot of money and he used it to bury Jesus and And Jesus was buried by a rich man. A rich man who truly became a man of God that day and confessed publicly his faith in Jesus and and became a man. The second thing he did along this, out of this, the second thing that I want to focus on is that he gave Jesus a proper burial to honor him at his death. And this was a commendable thing the john text we read said that nicodemus and and joseph gave him a burial as was the custom of the jews to bury and they did it in a very honoring way notice again that uh, verse 46 says he then he bought fine linen fine linen it was expensive material. He bought it. He bought the finest that there was so that it would honor Jesus in his burial. He didn't just drag something out of his you know clothes closet somewhere, something he didn't need anymore. He honored Jesus with the best. And that was an honoring thing to do in a burial. And that things like that are part of traditions. The Bible does not spell out and say, when you bury someone, you need to do it like this. But there is examples where there's traditions where they honored the dead and how they buried them. And that's a good thing, I think. So Joseph uh, uh, clothes him in fine linen. They would wrap the body in these linen strips as a, a way of just wrapping the body up tight. And they put him, put him then in a tomb that was a tomb he had and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Now there's an honoring thing. Joseph took what he had. Uh, it was an expensive thing, a tomb out of a rock. And uh, Joseph gave away to Jesus what he had. You know, the New Testament says this over and over. And Jesus says it many times. That God is not so concerned about how much we give to Him, but that we give what we have to Him. When the the widow gave two little coins, Jesus praised and said, She's given more than all the rich, because she gave all she had, even though it was a small amount. God wants us to give what we have. And Joseph gave what he had to Jesus. And God is pleased when we give what we have. We may not have what somebody else has, but if we give what we have, God is honored. Joseph gave his tomb. He gave Jesus an honoring burial. And he honored Jesus in his death. Now at this point, we can, I want to speak about this, is that Joseph, as the custom of the Jews was, buried the body in a tomb. He didn't take the body and set it on fire and burn it up into ashes. He didn't take the body and drop it off somewhere else on top of the ground. You'll see this many times in the Old Testament. You see different glimpses about this subject, is that they considered it a great curse and a great offense If someone did not receive a proper burial, but they were just thrown out into a field and just left to rot, because what would happen? The vultures come down and just pick the body apart like a dead dead carcass, like an animal that we see on the side of the road out in the field. That's a dishonoring thing to people. And the uh, people in the Old Testament wouldn't think of that happening. If they heard of that, they'd go get that body and give them a proper burial as a part of honoring the dead. So Joseph didn't just throw him out anywhere into a pit, he didn't burn the body. He buried the body. We can understand the point of that here what was going to happen in 3 days. Jesus was going to come back to life. He was going to walk out of that tomb. So Joseph didn't need to burn that body. He buried it in preparation of the resurrection. And that was a fitting thing to do. And I think we can relate it relate it to the issue of burial today. We see a common practice becoming more common of, uh, of cremation, burning the body. And I think this is a wrong, uh, a wrong uh, action to take as opposed to burial. Because in the Old Testament, whenever someone was cursed that was evil... And vile, they were burned because it was an act of judgment. Judgment of fire on somebody that, as God judges by fire many times, that act of burning a body was seen as an act of, of, of a curse. It's a, a picture of a curse. But if someone was honored, like the kings in, the, in the Israel, they were given a burial. But the ones that were honored were just burned or whatever. So I think we're, uh, we need to think about that in our modern day that there is an honoring thing to a burial. That's what we see with the burial of Jesus by Joseph of Arimathea. He took action to honor Jesus. And that is what a man of God does also. Just how it all comes back around because of the first uh, mistake the failure of, the, of Adam, the first Adam, it caused there to be funerals and burials. And now this man who steps up to be a man, he gives Jesus a proper burial. The second Adam, who died now to, to fix all of that, to save people from death, Joseph of Arathia gave him a proper burial. And that was a good thing. That was doing what he could do as a man. Of God. We can make that point, men. There have been many men throughout history. God has had purposes for many men. There was, you know, none of us will be Adam again. Or prophets. Or the apostles. God had purposes for different men at different times of history. And some of them had greater purposes than others. And for our lives, uh, God has different purposes. And there may be greater, in our thinking, greater purposes of other men, but yet God has purposes for all men, and we can do what we have to do. And for Joseph, it was to bury the body of Jesus, and he did good, and he'll be rewarded for what he did. And guys, whatever God puts into our hands to do, Whatever God brings across our path to do is we need to seek to do what God wants us to do and we'll be being the men that God wants us to be. Joseph became a man on this day because he then took courage and spoke up for Jesus and then uh, did something that Jesus needed in His work, and His kingdom. He needed to be buried in that tomb so He could come out of that tomb in three days. And guys, what God wants us to do to be men is we need to speak up for Jesus in the world as we have opportunity. And that may mean stepping forward into the opportunity, not just sitting back and waiting to be asked, but we speak up. We take her. Joseph took the initiative. Here's the good picture. Joseph didn't sit back and, oh, I'll wait for them to come ask me to give me the tomb and then I'll do it. Joseph took the initiative to go to Pilate himself and say, give me the body of Jesus. Many times, men, we've got to take the initiative and go and speak up. We've got to go to the city council. We've got to go to the family member. We've got to go to the store. We've got to go to our boss. And we've got to speak up and say, uh, i got to talk to you about this. Many times that's what it means. That's what men need to do. That's what men are called to do, is to take the initiative, take courage, and go speak in a difficult situation, in a situation that could even be dangerous. You stand up and you speak. That's being a man of God. That's what Joseph did. And second, it's giving to Jesus whatever we have to give. Whatever it is. Might be big, might be small. But we have something we can contribute and we can give to Jesus and His kingdom. And that's what a man of God does. That's what God calls men to be and to do. And now I just want to close in the basic truth here in Joseph's life. He was a secret believer, secret disciple, but it came time he realized he had to make a choice and he had to confess Jesus publicly And that's what Jesus calls us to do. In fact, in Matthew 10, Jesus said, He who confesses me before men, I will confess before men. But he who denies me before men, I will deny before men. Jesus calls us to confess Him publicly. If you repent of your sin and place your faith on Him, Jesus wants you to make that public. He wants you to make that known public. And you stand up publicly. And his plan is in the church and say, I have become a believer in Jesus. I'm not going to keep it a secret. I'm going to make it known. I'm going to confess it publicly. And baptism is a part of that. You go through that ceremony of baptism to publicly show that to a group of people that you are publicly believing on Jesus and identifying with him. That's what Joseph of Arimathea needed to do. That's what Nicodemus needed to do. And eventually they got there. It took them a while. And that wasn't good. They regret that. They lost out on a lot of opportunities because of that. But eventually they got there. And that's what we need to do too. And God is patient. God will help us to get there and give us courage. But that's what we need to do. We need to stand up and confess publicly our faith in jesus and identify with his death and his burial and his resurrection as what we are trusting on to forgive us that's what joseph did on this day and it it shows the struggle perhaps what you say the struggle of manhood in the world today Is men like Joseph can fear losing a career. I might lose my job if I take a stand here. You don't understand what they're doing at my workplace. Yeah, Joseph Arimathea was afraid of that too, and he he didn't speak up for it for years. Because he was afraid he'd get kicked off the council and he wouldn't have his position, wouldn't have his riches. Yeah, sometimes it means taking that risk to be a man of God. Joseph and Nicodemus lived in fear, fear of the Jews, fear of man. But Jesus calls us to fear him above all else, to be a man. And God says it this way, or Jesus did, Jesus, Jesus and God. But Jesus, this is a quote from Jesus in Matthew 10. He said, do not fear those who can kill the body, but fear him who can throw both body and soul into hell. Jesus taught us, the true man, the man of all men, the model of a man, taught us as men don't fear those who can only kill the body and can't do any more. Who can put us in the grave and give us a burial. But fear him who can kill both body and soul forever. That's who a man of God. Should fear, and Joseph eventually got there. He eventually got to place. He said, "I don't care if it means I might lose my own life. I'm going to stand up and be counted for Jesus, because I know that even if that happens, I'll be resurrected for for eternity to be with Jesus forever." And that's what we've got. That's how you live by faith. You keep your perspective on the what's eternity, for all eternity, what's eternal, and that's what men of God how they live and this is a uh, informative picture of a day when a man became a man of God because he confessed Jesus publicly and was willing to sacrifice all for him would you bow your head close your eyes and would you just pray at this time would you think about this reality in your own life have you done this Have you believed on Jesus? Have you confessed Him publicly? Are you a secret disciple? Are you willing to sacrifice all, forsake all for Jesus? Are you holding back and saying, Oh, I just don't want to lose this or that. Listen, look at the lesson of Joseph of Arimathea. He gained so much by forsaking all for Jesus now became a good had a good testimony now in the bible and he'll be rewarded for all eternity we need to give all to jesus uh, men you're here the, be, the way you you're a man of god the most the way you're the to be the man you can be all that you can be is to follow jesus confess him publicly take a stand for him follow him as your leader and be willing to even die for him and that's how you're a man of God and to take a stand in the world against evil may God help us to be men who will stand up and risk loss for Jesus and in the end Jesus says this in Matthew 10 when He's talked about it he says not a hair of your head will be lost I read that this last week I said God Jesus, why would you say that? Because they did get killed. They, they lost their hair. And then the truth came to me. No, they haven't lost it now for all eternity. They have their head. They'll have their hair forever. They'll never lose it again. He was speaking about eternity. And taking a stand for Jesus, you will not lose anything forever. You might lose it temporarily, physically, but it'll only be for a moment, a brief moment that you'll have it forever, because Jesus is who has everything forever. We need to follow Him to be true men of God who have the most that we can have. Lord Jesus, we praise You as the second Adam, the one who came to, who succeeded in triumphing over sin, That Adam failed in, that we have failed in, and every man has failed in, but you succeeded. You did what no other man could do. You are the true superman. You are the true model of a man. You are the true son of God. Help us to believe on you, to confess you, to stand up for you, to serve you, to sacrifice for you, whenever In whatever way we can and it will be an honor to do that and we'll never be any more than a man than doing those things for you so help us as men to be men of god today And I pray for anyone who needs to make that decision today, like Joseph of Arimathea. This is their day to become a true man of God. To stand up and say, I'm going to become a man. I'm going to start standing up as a man today. And following Jesus is number one in my life. And letting everybody know that. And uh, being willing to sacrifice whatever that will mean. Help men today to make that choice. To be like Joseph of Arimathea and to have that change in their life today to take courage to be a man who has courage following you Lord Jesus. Thank you for this lesson in scripture. Thank you for this example of Joseph and uh all that it teaches us here on Father's Day and we pray you bless us in our homes and uh, in our churches and our government to to uh, do what is right and to stand up against wrong. Give us men who will stand up and speak against these things that are uh, uh, rebelling against you and your kingdom and are harming so many people and so many children. Stir up men with courage to speak against these things for the sake of the truth and the sake of the children. We may honor and glorify you in all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.